Hello, and welcome to Affable Chat. My name is Joey. On Affable Chat, we dive as deep as we can into a topic of our choosing. Normally, we talk about movies, and today is not an exception. Today, instead of Benjamin, I have the Wish app version of Benjamin. Say hello. Hi, I'm just a discount version of your regular Benjamin. Uh, it's a pleasure to have you here. Um, and today is a very special episode because today we are talking about Morbius. It's Morbin time. This is an action vampiric superhero thriller directed by Daniel Espinoza. The cast includes Jared Leto, Jared Leto, Jared Leto, Jared Leto, Larry Jetto, and Jared Leto. I watched this on Netflix. Uh, Benjamin, how did you watch this? Uh, I watched it very sick on my couch with COVID. Excellent. Uh, probably one of the best ways to uh, consume this movie is also while you are sick. So you really get into the feeling of what it's like to be Morbius. Yeah, it made it much more relatable. Yes. So this is, so I know like, you know, everyone's already been talking about how amazing this movie is and, you know, all the money it made and everything like that. So I just want to say like at the top here that the reason why we haven't covered this sooner is because this is actually the first opportunity I ever had to see this movie. Um, when it was out in theaters, as everyone knows, every single showing of every, you know, in every single theater was completely sold out the entire time that they were uh, showing this movie. Um, and of course, every um, they, they, they removed it from theaters eventually because the uh, the theaters were afraid of the amount of craze that was coming through our culture, the Morbius craze, the Morbius sweep, as they say. Um, so everyone was very uh, tense about this. So they decided it was the best if we put it out uh, back onto on demand. And then even when it was on demand, it still was sold out completely, even though they have like digital copies or something. I could not get my hands on this movie because it was just so popular. It was flying off the digital shelves. And I could, as soon as I tried to get there, I was just too late. Um, so I, uh, this is really the first time Netflix is uh, really coming through here, you know, making it available for us plebs, like, uh, us normal people, the people who can't get to the top, you know, not the 1% who are going to see this movie every week. Um, you know, we're, we're, it's finally, uh, you know, uh, democratized, you might say. So, uh, I'm very excited to talk about this movie. Um, and I, I know uh, Ben feels very similarly. Yeah, and I, I noticed that it was uh, it's it's num been number one on Netflix for for the like the past three months I think ever since it, it came out on Netflix I think that's it's right and one. it's never coming off of that list that's my prediction yeah they might have to just make a separate category for non Morbius trending movies that's right it will just they'll just give the Morbius the M for Morbius and right. everything else will be rated differently it's the only right. it's the only way they make that fair so before we begin. Uh, let's start with our synopsis, or as I like to call it, the Simorpsis. Imagine a man who is a doctor, but also a scientist, but he's also a vampire, but he's also disabled, but he's also a once-in-a-generation genius, and he's played by Jared Leto. This man, from your imagination, is Dr. Michael Morbius. The Morb is deep in the jungle, looking for a cave of vampire bats. He believes vampire bats are the key to finding a cure for his mysterious blood disease, a disease that he shares with his life partner and best friend, Milo. Milo's real name is Lucian, but the Morb calls him Milo. After capturing a tube of bats, the Morb returns home to reject a Nobel Peace Prize. Yes, I did say noble. He won the prize because he invented a type of mass-producible artificial blood. In his private lab, he meets with his adorable and terminal child patients. Then the Morb convinces his female doctor friend to join him in international waters for an experiment so dangerous and illegal it was safer to do it on a dirty cargo ship than in a hospital. The experiment succeeds, but the Morb is transformed into a monster, a monster with very specific regard to human life. The monster morbs across the room at incredible speed, morbing everything up until it's nothing but morbs. Only the morb's doctor friend, Martine, survives the attack. The morb, upon waking, wipes the security cameras, calls Mayday, and dishes the ship for land. Back home, Sir Morb is confronted by his life partner and best friend, Milo. Milo discovers his friend cured his disease and has inherited incredible powers. He now can move very quickly, has superhuman strength, and can even echolocate. 
There are downsides, however. The morgue must consume human blood at some point. Artificial blood loses its effectiveness over time. The morgue tells Milo it is too dangerous to take the serum. Milo throws a fit and hobbles out. Special Agent Tyrese Gibson for the FBI quickly tracks down Dr. Morb and arrests him. While in jail, the Morb is visited by life partner Milo. Milo shows up with an IV of blood and reveals he has taken some of the serum too. But, twist, he likes murdering people. The Morb and Milo morb around each other so intensely, it looks like a Morbnado. They morb on the rooftops, they morb in the subway, and finally, the Morb morbs his last morb and morbs out of there. The Morb develops a concoction that can kill Milo. The Morb makes two batches so he can end his own life too. The Morbster is then tortured by Milo. Milo kills his and the Morb's father figure, who calls out to the big Morb as he died. But then, Martine is captured and also killed by Milo. The Morb shows up too late to save her, but she asks him to drink her blood so that he will have the strength to kill Milo. The Morb hunts for his former life partner and best friend, when he finds them, they morb like crazy. Morbin, 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 morbin everywhere. Milo gains the upper hand, but the morb summons bats with his echolocation and morbs Milo with them. Milo ceases to morb, and Morbius is the last morb. Or is he? Martine awakens, having swallowed some of the morb's blood. I hope she comes back in the sequel, because this movie is over. Except for the two end credit scenes. In each, Michael Keaton and then a different man in a vulture costume arrive in the Morb's universe and decide they like the cut of the Morbster's Morb. It seems the Morb will Morb again. There you have it, the events of Morbius uh, Morbed up for you. Now let's move on to our pros and cons, and we'll start with what we liked about this movie. Um, ben, what do, you what do you like about Morbius? What isn't there to like about Morbius, okay? Yes. Uh, I mean, this is really the first time that we've seen a movie adaptation of a comic book about a wealthy bat-themed superhero who lives in a big city and who works with some experimental technology. I don't mm. think I've ever seen anything like that. Super unique idea. Um, so yeah, that's that's that that alone puts it above the rest. I think because in this world where everything is a copy of everything else, you know, I, it's really interesting to see unique ideas like that. Uh, but even though it's so unique and like artistic, you know, it, it doesn't take itself too seriously. I think, you know, there's some funny moments in here. There's some moments where you're like really relate to the to the characters, you know. Mm -hmm. And then I think the most important uh, pro that I have for this one is definitely is definitely just Morb. I, I couldn't have said it better myself. I mean, I, I don't even know how to add on to that Morb. Um, for, for me. Um, I think that Jared Leto, I mean, Dr. Michael Morbius just became more and more awesome the entire time, just like nonstop, right up to the top. He was just continually becoming more and more awesome as the movie went on. I thought that was pretty cool. Um, I think that Tyrese uh, did a great job as the FBI guy. And I, I truly do believe that um, it really is saying a lot about our culture right now, this movie. And I think that that's why it's such an important film. Yeah, I can, I can agree with that. That it, I, I can see how it, the commentary it makes about, about our society. Maybe we can get into that later. Yeah. Um, well, okay, so, but you know, not every movie is perfect, right? What about Morbius? What did you not like about Morbius? So one thing in this movie that I was a little bit skeptical of, you know, is in this time, we, are, we are, have this partisanship about doctors. Uh, in this movie, we see that what's happening, what happens is that you know, we have a doctor here in the movie who is taking his patient's blood and drinking it. I feel like, you know, we don't want to encourage that. I think mm. uh, I think that's something that, you know, we've heard from politicians is that they're saying doctors are drinking your blood. They're not really trying to treat you. They're just taking your blood so they can drink it. And then this movie is like encouraging us to actually believe that. So I feel like that's a little irresponsible, but I don't think that takes away from the from the masterpiece of the movie or anything. Yeah, but that's, a, that's actually a really good point because I think Morbius does directly address the partisan divide, right? Because uh, Morbius's uh, artificial blood is blue, right? And human blood is red, representing the two political parties, right? And right. by him consuming human red blood, he becomes more violent and extreme, right? Whereas you, if he keeps consuming the blue blood, he can't, can't last on that forever. It's, it's, it's bland. Um, you know, it doesn't do anything for you. Um, mm. it, so, you know, I think it's a real, it's a, it's, he's really addressing that head on 
um, with with that uh, choice there. Yeah, that definitely. I could see the the deepness in that part of the movie. The other part of this movie is uh, is in in the movie. He, there's a little bit of a, a animal abuse. And I thought that was mm. a little disturbing to see uh, to see that he used uh, animal testing. So there's a mouse that dies in the movie, and then also he keeps a bunch of bats in uh, in a tube. And I assume that they since they only think that they eat his blood. I I wasn't sure what the bats ate, so I was like kind of like what's going on here. But that you know that could just be something that they got cut out or something. I'm not sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I was concerned about the bats too because I only ever saw them flying. Whenever he was like, you open the thing up, they're flying around. You know, he goes inside there, they're still flying around. They're, the bats never stay still. And maybe that's like, maybe that's saying something about Morbius too. You know, it's like, ah, oh, if, if you're going to be Morbius, then you can't ever sit still. You have to keep innovating, you know, keep making new things that people want to see. Um, right. Just like a restless bat in a tube. Yeah, yeah, and it's a it's a it's a commentary about our overproductive, overconsumptive society. You know, you're, every moment not productive is is a moment wasted. So exactly, you know, even if it Never comes rest. at your at your own health or the health of your bats, mm. you know. Yeah. Mm. And then the the last con I have is I was just a little bit confused about the conflict in the movie. Uh, not not because it wasn't like clearly explained or anything, but just like I couldn't understand, I couldn't really relate to the villain in that like he wanted to fight the Morb, and to me it's just like totally unimaginable that you would ever want to fight the Morb because he's just that cool. Like Jared Leto, just like you said in your prose, he just gets cooler and cooler, and then the somehow the villain is more and more hateful of the Morb, and I just I he's like totally lost me in that part. Yeah, I, I agree with you on that. I do feel like he was out of place challenging the Morb, right? We see over and over again, anyone who goes against the Morb is wrong, right? Everyone who, who tries to do something to, like try to give the Morb accolades, you know, try to, um, you know, encourage him or give him any sort of like feedback. No, you know, they're wrong. The Morb knows best. Everybody knows this. So for the villain to rise to the occasion and be like, Oh, I think I know better than the Morb. I mean, I based on how they set up the rest of the movie, unbelievable, irresponsible. Uh, I think um, you know it's up there with the the propaganda about doctors, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. So for me, some of that Morb stuff with the echolocation was just peak Morb for me, especially when they were morbid around. I mean, there's no really other way to to explain it. You know, they're moving really fast with some sort of effect, like oil and water or dust blowing it was just morbid my guy bats that's another con um there wasn't enough about the other milos so at the other at the beginning of the movie right you find out that milo isn't really named milo he's named lucian and the reason why he's called milo is because there were other milos before him right that presumably died or were cured inside of this hospital so i feel like that was a real loose end they should have brought that back you know, I want to know, are the other Milos coming back as Morbs too? Um, you know, is there going to be like a series of Milo and Morb conflicts, you know, throughout the history of, of Milos and Morbs? Uh, is this like kind of an ancient, you know, family dynamic that's coming back and forth? I don't know. I feel like they, that was a real loose end for me. Oh, well, I think, it, I think it was intentionally kind of a loose end in that they're setting themselves up for the obvious sequel that everyone's demanding. I see. Uh, in that. So because he defeated the, 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 the Milo in this movie, you know, but we're going to want to see more. We're going to want to see more of the Morb. And so we're going to have to, they kind of are setting themselves up for future movies to, uh, to show us him, maybe him searching for the other Milos to cure them, or maybe the other Milos get too Morbed up or something. I don't know. Makes sense. Yeah. uh, I didn't consider that. Okay. Well, that's our pros and cons. So let's move on to, you know, a little bit of a more detailed discussion with our overall section. Um, I, uh, asked some questions uh for benjamin here to answer so let's start with those um why did you pick morbius of all movies to review on affable chat i mean i feel like the answer to this is pretty obvious like this movie was a complete cultural reset like everyone is talking about it like joey told it said at the beginning like we couldn't even get tickets at first and even when it was online you could you couldn't like there was some kind of problem where they couldn't even, uh, not everyone could access it because it was yeah. just so popular bandwidth issues or something. I don't know. 
Uh, it was so influential. Pope Francis, I believe, even said 2022 was the year of the morgue. Uh, I remember it won like almost every single Academy Award. And I think it even even like expanded into other genres of award and won some Grammys and stuff. You know, you go out, you go out um, and you talk to people and they're constantly quoting this movie. They're always talking about Morgan around. It's it's the biggest movie I think ever. So obviously I wanted to be on the podcast to talk about this movie. Yeah, no, it makes sense. I mean, it's kind of a silly question, honestly. I mean, I'm I'm super certainly grateful that you brought it to my attention. I mean, I was I knew about it, but I was like, I don't know. Is it really is the hype really real? But having watched it, uh, I can say it is truly a movie. Um, what about this movie speaks to you personally? So, I mean, I think there's one part, probably the most famous scene of the whole movie. And it's when the Morb says it's Morbin time. And Going to play that Morbs all over everyone. Say again? Oh, you want me to play that part? Oh, yeah, yeah. Good. Play it. It's Morbin time. And then he yeah, starts so Morbin. Yeah, I mean, that part is super relatable to me. I'm just like, wow. I wish that I wish that I could just Morb all over everyone like the Morb does in that mm. scene, you know? And then another part of this movie, you know, a little not as, not as influential as that part. But at the beginning, we talked about in a synopsis that he rejects a Nobel Peace Prize from the King of Sweden. And um, I, I also relate to that because I also have chosen never to accept a Nobel Peace Prize from the King of Sweden, too. I, oh. It's something that I can relate to. Interesting. Yeah, that's, that's kind of a specific thing. I, you know, I never had heard of the Nobel Peace Prize before. I always, I'd heard of the Nobel Peace Prize, but um, it's very clearly the Nobel Peace Prize. Front page, American scientist rejects Nobel Prize. I mean, it's a little bit of fiction, a little bit of fantasy in here, you know, to throw in a, a fake prize. But, um, you know, I think warrants it. You know, it's one of those movies that can get away with something like that. Um, and now if we had something like the the Morb, the Morble Peace Prize, then for sure I'd be interested in that. But I don't yes. think the king of Sweden is going to do that. No, it's going to be the king of Transylvania. Uh, what For does sure. this movie remind you of in your life or in other media? Well, that, I think this is a really interesting question because I, uh, like I said in my in my prose, my very first pro was that this movie is just so unique. You know, like in this in this world where everything's a sequel, everything's a copy of everything. You know, basically every story is like the same story at this point. You know, they're all just Shakespeare redone in mm. modern day or whatever. Uh, this movie is kind of breaks that mold, okay? Because in what other in what other franchise, whatever like superhero movie, have we seen where someone is using some kind of like experimental technology and then they somehow acquire the powers of an animal? I just have never, I've never even seen that before. It's a very unique idea. I completely agree. I mean, it does that, but it also like goes beyond that, right? There's this part where he's like working in the lab to cure himself of a disease, um, right? Uh, something that he's inflicted on himself. And then he has to also fight it, something that's been unleashed uh, onto the world by him, right? Like it, it, it seems to remind me a little bit of Iron Man a little bit, but it's not, it's not exactly that thing because it's, it's completely different. Um, then he's like leaping from rooftop to rooftop, which I've never seen a superhero do. Um, and right. then there's that one part where he turns into a monster that he can't control, right? When, especially when he gets really angry or hungry, he'll suddenly become this uncontrollable monster that like lurks within, right? It's like this duality of man type thing that's going on that I also yeah. completely original, never seen that before. Uh, and the fact that he injects himself with some sort of serum, right? That makes him, that makes him from some like frail weakling into like a super soldier. He's like super jacked and he's like, mm -hmm. you know, jumping around and like can throw frisbees really, really well. Never seen that before ever. And the other thing is like he has that power to like echolocate so he can like see without seeing, right? He can like hear really well. Yeah. Um, it's like as if, if he was blind, then he could still see really well. That I've never seen that in a, in a superhero movie either. And, to combine all those things together to make something completely different, something that, you know, is, again, very unique, very morb. Uh, it's very uh, enlightening to me. You know, it makes me really inspired to see where culture, where uh, technology, where movies are going next. For Yeah, I agree. I mean, and 
you know, as a fan of bats, it's just really great to see like bats represented. I know I already talked about it in my in my pros, but like I feel like just it's really cool to see some 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 bat themes in in a major movie, you know. Yeah. Well, I mean, the combination of bat and human, right? Where like like it's it's a really interesting dynamic because humans because bats or vampire bats at least drink blood but humans have blood so it's like whoa like like these two things how are they work together you know like I, we've never we've never really seen that in any like type of media before of, of the combination of those two things um you know and i think that there's some references, you know, so like like some maybe some inspiration from the past, you know, but in this movie, but it's all very much, uh, very new, very different, and uh, very more. And 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 you know, it's so unique that since it's come out, it's it's really inspired. I feel like a lot of other things. I I was recently watching like uh, Twilight actually recently mm. and and i realized that there's a lot of similarities between the morb and like edward in twilight in that like he's like he's kind of got like this super strength but he's also like really wants to drink drink blood you know but he's like mm. doesn't he's like he was like a vegetarian you know that's the kind of thing in twilight is that he's vegetarian he kind of like subverts a little bit of the of the themes that we sometimes see where they're not like uh, scared of the sunlight and stuff like that so yeah it's just really interesting how it's inspired so many other other franchises too i think yeah that's so true i mean like especially for it to go back in time and do that right to like go yeah, back retroactively and, for sure right and this this like idea of the morb has been around in our culture just like simmering under the surface and finally someone was brave enough to bring it to the surface and and stare at it straight in the face and be like, this is the morb. Here it is. Um, you know, we've all, we've all known about it. We've all thought about it. Uh, but now it's capturing our visual imagination perfectly on screen. And I think like when we imagined the morb before this movie came out, uh, I think that you couldn't have chosen a better actor than Jared Leto to play the morb because like, he's exactly what I imagine when I think of the morb, you know? I, I cannot agree with you more. See, see, here's the thing that makes this whole idea, I think, kind of brilliant, right? Like, even though the morb has been like this platonic ideal, it's been like simmering, right? Kind of in the background, in, in the realm of ideas for decades, if not centuries, right? We have reached this point with actors where now when you have a method actor, you no longer have to like find a role or like, you know, you don't have to have to make a movie that has a role in it that an actor will fall into, right? He'll transform himself into that character. Now, we are making movies that are based around characters in real life. We, we, they saw Jared Leto. They, they saw how morby he was. And they were like, let's make, let's, this, it's time. It's time to make the Morbius movie. We're going to take, we're going to build this movie around the idea of, Jared Leto as the morb, right? Instead of having Jared Leto transform himself into something he wasn't, now they're just exaggerating his already like his features that are already there, you know, making him more morby than he ever was before. And I think that's a real testament to how movies are being made now, right? It's no longer about telling some sort of story that has interesting characters in it. It's about highlighting specific people so that they get their chance to show how cool and awesome they are to everyone. And that's really good, I think, because um, and it's only only possible on projects in which the actor is also a large part of the creative process, meaning like the executive producer or something like that, which of course Jared Leto was in this, right? Having him having a say and how his character is portrayed is the reason why we see Morbius become so amazing throughout the, the like course of this movie. Just again, ramps up in how cool he is constantly. Every scene he's in, he gets cooler. I definitely, I that's really good insight. I feel like. All right, I got, I got a couple more questions for you there, Ben. Um, so, what was the most morbid time in this movie? I couldn't. I I couldn't really pick one when I was answering these questions before the show i i couldn't think of just one 
morbid time, the most morbid time. Because the whole movie, it's just morb all the way through, constant, high-level morbing. Right. Um, and, but, okay, I, I let you mind if I just say a, a, a bunch of t- ones? Yeah, that, go that, for it. So, um, there's the part, there's the part at the beginning, okay, right after right after he's been he's morbed himself okay and he's on that boat that cargo ship and he's like in the in the rafters and he's like obviously like a scary monster at this point he's already killed somebody i'm pretty sure at this point and uh and what's her name martine martine sorry martine uh martine says to these guys the guys on the cargo ship they're like super they see this monster and they're about to shoot him and then and then she's like, don't shoot. But like immediately after that, he comes and just murders them. And and so like, obviously they should have been shooting. Like I thought they should have been shooting a long time before. And mm. I don't know why she said, don't shoot. I see. Yeah. I mean, that was certainly a morbid time. I mean, I, I was, I was confused about like what was going to happen. You know, I was worried for Martine, especially when she gets like, she's right there in the middle of it. Right. He gets, he morbs right through the window and then he's morbid all over the room and all these guys just get morbed to death, you know? Um, but then he like turns his head and sees her, but then goes off, right? And, and goes on hunts somebody else. He leaves her. He There's like a piece of him that's still inside of him that knows not to attack her, that she's a friend, that she can be trusted. It blurs the line between the morb and then his morb self. You know? Yeah, which is like it's really, it's really good. I think that's a very interesting idea, right? It's it's very much like which one are you? You know, the the idea of like you know you always hear this proverb or whatever, like you have two wolves inside you, right? Another way of saying that is you have a morb inside you and you have a Jared Leto inside you. It's you have two morbs inside you, and whichever you feed more blood becomes the stronger morb. Okay, so my another another morbid moment in this movie, a morbid, if you will. So at one point, Milo, you know, my, we talked about in this synopsis, Milo goes and visits uh, the morbid jail. Okay, and um, actually, there's a lot of stuff in the jail that I that I that I really thought was morbid. Okay, so mm-hmm. one of them is uh, so Milo's talking to the morb, and the morb is like, "They're charging me with murder," and he's like super incredulous about it, and then like, but like he just murdered like 10 dudes in a boat. So I was like, yeah, they're charging you with murder. That's that you murdered people. This is really like a hint at Milo's eventual transformation, right? He goes from being just kind of a frail guy who also happens to be really rich, but um, now he has like superpowers. And as soon as he gets those powers, that's when like his true nature comes out, right? He's like, we should be killing everyone, obviously. You know, we are the most powerful people around. So we should be morbid all over the place until there's nothing but morbs all over the city. You know, we are the we are the next evolution of humanity, the humorbity, you know? And yeah, I mean that that quote alone really touched me. I think I really understood a lot about what he was saying and what he was coming from from that moment. Um, but again, like He's the reason why he wants to fight the morb is just because he's the morb. I mean, it doesn't make any sense. So yeah, I, I, he comes in and he's like, "Oh, it's okay that you kill those people. We can make that go away," you know, because secretly he's already there. You know, he's like, "I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna start killing people too." Like, I'm, I'm totally down for that. That sounds like a good time. Yeah, and and it kind of related to that is the other scene in the jail that I really liked. So Milo's at so, morbed so hard, like at this point, that he basically yeah. is like able to bend reality to the point where when he's exiting the jail, he has to go through like thirty gates. At at one point, I thought that he had like turned around and like had gone back through the gates just to go back through them again. And I think like that scene was really like interesting to me because it was just such a long scene of him just walking through like a bunch of different gates in this jail. And I was like, this is definitely some kind of like commentary about how this like bureaucracy of like prisons has influenced the way Milo sees the world and has turned him this way, you know? Yeah. And as he gets further and further out, he becomes less and less crippled, right? He's like his, his gait improves, right? His, his posture gets better. And he's like, you know, flipping guys like, uh, 
you know, a little tip of the cap there, a little tip of the morb, you know, to say, hey, um, I'm a cool guy. And even though it's a long road out, right, as he gets further and further out, the stronger he gets, which I think, like, again, I think there's something about Milo, like what he represents to the Morbiverse and to Jared Leto, right? He is Jared Leto's like best friend. He's grown up with him, right? He's like basically his brother. And then he um, betrays him and starts killing like everyone in his life. And I think this is just like a commentary on what like Jared Leto is trying to tell us about people with power, right? If you give the wrong person too much power, they'll it'll just go straight to their head and they'll start killing everyone. You know, it's only right. if someone is as strong as the morb can they handle something like that, right? Mentally, right. you know, emotionally, morally. Uh, only someone with morbidly. the with morbidly, of course, the, someone with the morbid fiber can actually capture the idea of being a morb and stay alive and not turn into a monster. Right. And I, that's why I'm glad that this scene was like 10, 15 minutes long of him exiting the jail through yeah. these gates because I just feel like it added a lot to the movie. You could, it gave you a lot of time to think, you know, a lot of time yeah. to consider, to really appreciate just, you know, how he was walking, how many gates right. there were, how many employees you know this what? prison this must is, have. This, this was, this is just like a little side thing, but, you know, he goes through gates and his gait improves. I feel like oh. that's the kind of, connection Ooh. that you that you get in this movie it's it's deep yeah like that. that's that's nice that's i'm i'm morbid right now i say that and and to finish that off his milo's whole whole story off here is is another morbid scene is milo goes and he kills a bunch of people in a subway and it's horrible it's a horrible scene a bunch of people dead in the subway and then we get this we get another kind of long scene uh, some people might say excessively long, but there's no such thing as excessively long in the Morb movie. No. Uh, in any other movie, they would have been too long, but in this movie, it was it was too short, honestly. But he just it does a crazy dance, and you're like, oh my gosh, this guy has really lost it. And I think the dance, I really appreciated that this that this dance was just like a really long thing that we that we got to watch. I mean, any movie that has a dance break scene, a dancing montage scene, right? is going to be improved by that dancing montage scene, especially if that character is completely alone in a setting that um, we've never seen before. You know, uh, those things really add elements to this, uh, this, 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 uh, this movie. I mean, when he's in there, you know, you can really see just how far the morb inside of him has pushed him. You know, he's no longer this frail, you know, sickly kid. He is now like on equal level with the morb. Or so he believes, I guess. That's true. That's true. Because he does he is and he is defeated. My last morbid time, my last morbid moment in this morbid in this movie is um when uh is 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 a little bit before Milo becomes gets gets morbed, morbs himself. Uh is he comes into the lab and he sees the morb just like writhing on the ground and he's like screaming and yelling and um and it's because that he's like he hasn't been taking the blood that he needs like the artificial blood or whatever and so he's like clearly like in like a lot of pain and dying and um and milo comes in to the lab and sees this wow like what's wrong and like he sees him he's like shocked and he's like terrified and he goes and and the morb asks for some blood and Milo comes and gives him some blood. And then the morb feels is starting to get better. And Milo sees that the morb is able to walk and has like cured his like, uh, is, is, yeah, is able to walk normally. And uh, Milo's like, Oh, so you, so you found a cure. And it was like, no, you're missing the point. Did you not remember two seconds ago when he was like, you know, writhing on the ground? It, it, success what is success even i feel like is kind of the the commentary there see okay this is another thing that i find interesting something that like really thought-provoking it kind of tickles your mind you know and maybe some people would say this is um poorly written or that it doesn't like make a lot of sense or that it's just kind of uh insulting but like but not for this movie right this movie dodges around those common potholes by simply being the Morbius that it is. And what I'm talking about here is how Milo just hates 
being disabled so much, right? It's like he, all he ever talks about is how things are um, in terms of diseases, right? He, he, he cautions Morbius earlier in the movie, uh, you know, before he's the Morb, uh, just saying like, don't fall in love because there's no cure for that disease. You know, he, he, that's the way he thinks. And then in this scene too, right? He sees that, oh, Morbius has now absorbed um, new Morb powers and has ascended to the realm of Morb, but um, at this terrible cost. And he's like, no, it's better to be a Morb than it would be to be disabled. So I, I think that like, you know, this really shows like a lot about how, um, Milo sees the world and how that's, you know, maybe uh, we should be taking notes from his book and then ripping them up because he has the wrong worldview. Right. Yeah. Write that down and then, you know, print it or type it up, print it out, you know, frame it, put it on your wall and then burn your house down so that you never see that again, you know? Yeah. And then you will truly understand what it's like to be the morb. I think that's kind of the morb attitude you need, you know? The morbitude, yeah. if you will. I couldn't say it better myself. Um, I got one more question for you here. Uh, so how often did you say it's morbid time along with the, the morbster, uh, as I mean, he said it numerous times throughout the movie? I mean, even though I didn't get to see this movie when it first came out because of how it sold out and how, how uh, you know, the demand had made the ticket prices go crazy up. Mm-hmm. So I couldn't even afford to go see it. But I, I knew about the it's morbid time scene because it had just been so like, People had just been saying it so much. And so throughout the entire movie, like literally every two minutes, I was just like, it's morbid time because I just I could just predict it. And that's something great about this movie is that, you know, it was it was unique and stuff, but also it was predictable in a way that I liked. Like you 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 didn't know where it was going, but you also were like super sure that you knew where it was going. Yeah, that's really that's a sign of really good writing is if you can say what the person's about to say along with them, you know, cause you know what they're going to say. Cause like, you know, these characters so well, that's, you know, you've really nailed it as a writer. Um, you certainly haven't fallen into, you know, typical traps or cliches that, you know, even cursory viewings of television would uh, grant you. No, that you're beyond that. You've, you've ascended that and come back to it and said, no, this is a movie for the people. Let's have them sing the refrain around along with us. You know, let's have them say it's Morbin time as often and as frequently as we can. And that will uh, carry us into the future. And, you know, I think other movies are going to be taking note here. Um, when when they see the success that Morbius has gone under, uh, I think a lot of them are scared. But I think a lot of the other ones are inspired to do something similar and, and make movies that you can sing along with um, just like Morbius. Yeah, and then I mean, every time he says it, he just morbs all over everyone, and so you you get the you get the feeling that you get to say it along with him, and then you get to see him morb, and that's yeah. just so cool. It's a very cathartic experience. I completely agree. All right, I got one more thing to talk about in our overall section, um, and this is just a comment I saw on a YouTube a video. Uh, the YouTube video is called, of course, Morbius. It's Morbin time scene. One of the top comments from Johnson Joster. Uh, says, uh, this movie is an absolute masterpiece. I like how it's not about Morbin me or Morbi you. It's about Morbi us. And um, I couldn't have said it better myself. That's true. I, it's just a very well put, uh, re- like simple review of this movie. Right. In, 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 a, in a culture that's so, you know, individualistic, you know, it's, it's I'm with her kind of things, you know, mm. like I'm the only one who can fix the problems. People saying saying those things. Uh, it's good to have something that's kind of more be us, you know, more be us instead of just on the on the more be individual, you know. That's right. You know, it's really about collective action. It's about going out to the streets and making a difference, really going out there and morbid around and morbid over everyone. Um, and that's that's what's going to change this country. And I think after this movie comes like, you know, comes out or like after this movie kind of settles in the, the collective ether, we're going to see some drastic changes in our society. And a lot of people are going to attribute it to Morbius. Okay, we're going to take a very quick break. And when we come back, we're going to finish up with our cool Easter eggs, codable moments, and our rating. So stay tuned. This episode is brought to you by the concept of speed. 
Did you know that your perception of time moves faster the older you get? As you create new memories, your old ones get compressed into the available space in your brain, giving the impression that large lengths of time have actually passed quite quickly. You should lean into that feeling. This morning, drink a little extra coffee. Time yourself in the bathroom and try to set a record. If you're in your car, press on that gas pedal a little more. Just a touch. Go on. Do it. You know you want to feel it. That rush as the world warps around you. Power begins to build inside you as you realize you could always do this. You could always go faster. And why not? What is stopping you? The law? Your family? A sense of personal well-being? Bah! Those are pure illusions. The only virtue worth pursuing is speed! Faster! Let's do it faster! Your molecules struggle against their bonds as more and more energy is concentrated into you. You are melting into a beam of pure energy. Nothing can stop you. Nothing will ever stop you. You are becoming light. You are a stream of photons moving so quickly you see the world around you come to a perfect stop. You are beyond time. You are everywhere at once. Nothing is beyond you. All because you woke up and chose speed. Welcome back to Affable Chat. I'm here with Wish App uh, Benjamin. Uh, and we are reviewing Morbius. Uh, where we left off, we are starting with our cool Easter eggs. And Ben, you have a few that you want to share with us. Go ahead. Okay, yeah. So uh, I talked about, you know, one of the things I thought was a little bit irresponsible, but, you know, Joey kind of reframed it a little bit, but it, how it was also about, like, you know, not trusting doctors because they're going to drink your blood. But also, it was also kind of a little bit of commentary on animal testing. Okay, so a common thing you'll hear from, uh, from a lot of animal rights organizations is actually that it turns out that 96% of drugs that pass these animal testing trials don't end up passing human trials. Okay. So it's, you, we see that, that, that makes sense. If we look at the, or the commentary that the movie is making when it, when we, when we watch the movie, uh, he tests his serum on a mouse and then it works on the mouse. So then he just automatically jumps to, Oh, well now it's going to work on me. And clearly, you know, that's a commentary that animal testing, you know, when it works on an animal, it doesn't always work on a human. So I thought there was like, you know, a subtle vegan message in there. I like that. I think that's a, um, that's a good point. You know, we never did see what happened to that mouse beyond that it woke up again, right? We didn't see if it became a morb or if it escaped and started, you know, doing morb things too. I mean, it could create its own mess of morbs, right? I mean, who knows what kind of uh, um, results this would have if it got out to the wider animal public you know uh, be, there are morbs everywhere so it's it's a uh, it is kind of a danger and um but you know i think this is also another thing that reinforces that um morbius the morb himself is the greatest just thing that's ever existed right whenever he does an experiment it works the first time and it's transmittable or trans you know can be transferred between species with almost no preparation or changes, you know, um, he's such a, a perfect genius um, that he can solve problems like this with a simple trip to Costa Rica and a slice in his hand, you know. So like that's a um, I, I see what you're saying there. and It makes a lot of sense. But I also feel like it it um, it also reinforces this structure of how amazing the morb is at the same time. Yeah, and I yeah, that's that's all, it's all together. It's all part of that. Uh, and my and my second Easter egg was I I looked up a little bit about echolocation, and I, I knew a little bit about echolocation before, and uh, and it turns out that the echolocation in the movie is not actually how real echolocation works, which was really surprising to me. It's mm. it's a little bit different in real life than it is in the movie. Um, and like you said, it all goes back to how powerful the morb is. The morb is just so powerful that he can, you know, bend the rules of reality to make it work. You know, uh, a really good, a really good uh, thing I, I learned. Um, Ed Young, I think is his name. I'm not sure. But he wrote a book called An Immense World, where it's about the uh, century lives of, of animals. And he talks about how how humans even have actually a little bit of echolocation, not even even humans who aren't morbed. Um, oh. Because if you think about it, like if you're standing in a room and you close your eyes, 
you can tell if there's like a big wall in front of you. If you talk and you wait for the, you hear the sound, you can hear like how big the room is, you know? You can't like see something really close, like really small. Like if you had a small ball up against like a huge like wall or something or like a table, you wouldn't be able to see that ball with the echolocation. But you could tell that there was a wall there just with echolocation. So in a way, like we all kind of have this kind of echolocation. But it doesn't work the same way it does in the Morbius movie. So I thought that was just an interesting fact about. Yeah, that. well, that's that is actually how some blind people see. Daniel Kish is uh, a blind man who can ride a bike, and he talks about he actually trains people. He taught himself how to echolocate and um, trains like young kids on how to do it too. And yeah, it's like clicks. It's also like um, you know people who have canes too sometimes can use the sound of the cane to help kind of figure out where things are beyond just like you know touching it with the cane right it's the actual click of it to tell what kind of surface it is and also like how far like you know the, what exactly you're, you're touching or anything so it's a it's a way of kind of uh creating this like uh, echo uh effect and then reading it back into it i mean it's it is it's interesting because it's one of those things that's like always there but never developed there's a lot of human abilities or abilities that like, we could develop if we spent time training them um, one thing I think about all the time is like how dexterous your feet could be if you actually train them to be dexterous. There are people that like have no arms who can play like the piano or a guitar with their feet. Um, and it's just training, essentially. It's strengthening those muscles and developing that kind of control. Um, and yeah, the same thing is true for something like this. Um, there's theories out there that you could create separate senses by in, inter- interacting like directly with touch or um, maybe even directly interacting with the brain, right? Because there are people that are blind who whose uh, the problem is not their eyes, it's the sensors in the back and in their brain that are that have the problem. And if you can override that somehow, they could still do it. Um, there's like this crazy radio lab episode where they give this woman a vest that, get oh no 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 it's not a vest it's it's something on her tongue and she puts it on her tongue and it stimulates the taste buds in a way that makes her react to something and they would wave stuff in front of her while she was wearing like some sort of vest that could like like had some sort of a i don't know seeing function uh i think ultrasonic or something and she could actually taste the sound of or taste the movement of something moving around um through her tongue and was able to eventually interpret that as something moving in front of her. So it's like a rewiring of the brain that is possible. Um, it's wow. a pretty wild stuff. And it's pretty experimental. I mean, who knows whether or not it will work. People have been trying to make things like where you could predict how the stock market would work or how like like future elements in the stock market by simply like interpreting the values or the yeah, the values of the stock market as touch and then hopefully developing patterns that your brain would discover patterns about that and then be able to predict what something is going to happen. But uh, that kind of thing is, I think, too uh, obscure. Uh, uh, actual like things that your brain is wired to do may actually be, uh, be possible to override. So, yeah, I, um, uh, his, uh, his echolocation certainly extends beyond his immediate surroundings, right? He can hear someone talking in almost any building in the, um, in the city. And something that I really like about this is he doesn't waste any time like trying to figure out how it works, right? He never like he's never like, oh, like I'm a, uh, I'm overwhelmed by the things I'm hearing, you know? Like, um, like there's like there's some like Superman, like Man of Steel, for example, where he he gets his powers or he, his powers start to develop and he can suddenly see everybody's like skeletons and it freaks him out, you know? Like there's never a scene like yeah. that because Morbius is completely in control 100 percent of the time. Anytime he wants Great. to know something or do something, he can do it. It doesn't it's all it takes is just a little bit of time, you know, maybe a tiny bit of practice, but he can nail it first try every single time. And I think that's a sign of a really well-written, well-developed character. Yeah, I mean on that same on that same point is like, you know, he we just we find out that he has this power and then he only ever has to use that power one time, you know? And so like like you just like it's really interesting how he just has like this huge litany of powers that he has and we find out he has that power and then throughout the rest of the movie it's just like 
when is he going to use the power? When's the one time he's going to get to use this power? Yeah. And then forget about it after that, you know? And I thought that was, I thought that was really good. Yeah. Yeah. Especially like at the end where he controls the bats using echolocation, right? He's like hanging upside down, uh, almost like a bat um, in this like underground sewer or something. And he's fighting Milo and uh, he's like, he calls out and all these bats show up and he's like, and then he's like, uses his arms. He's like, go over there and he like points and then they just totally morb up uh milo until he's totally morbed out and um that that's how he gets the upper hand so that was you know that was a really cool and well-earned power that made a lot of sense yeah it, it it really it really didn't build up to that i felt like and that was a good thing yeah that was really good yeah that that there was really no indication that he had that power before he'd used it the most famous scene of this movie okay he says it he says it a lot of times in the movie but the most famous scene uh in the movie where he that we quoted at the beginning where he says it's morbid time and then morbs all over everyone that is actually a completely unscripted screen that's that's a testament to jared leto's acting is that it was totally improv by jared leto and it just the director loved it so much that he decided to like basically base the whole movie around this one scene right that's so interesting, you know, I, and it's so pivotal too. I, I mean, every time you say that, it's morbid time, and then he morbs over everyone. I mean, I get chills. I, I, I really like. I, I can't. Ex- I can't explain it. I, I almost feel like the morb is right behind me, you know, watching me, breathing down my neck, you know, sniffing my blood. Right. Uh, it's a, it's a, it's an unsettling experience. Um, but yeah, I like to. This is why you hire someone like Jared Leto, right? You hire him not because. He is a famous, insane person, right? That tortures people that he works with. No, no, no. That's not why you hire him. You hire him because he brings this level of craft where he can walk into a room and he is Morbius, right? He's dressed as, he thinks he is. He, he's acting as if he is Morbius. And then he, you put him in this situation and he says something so profound, it transcends culture, right? This is something that's going to be etched into stone like for aliens to find you know after our civilization is gone our last remnants will be you know over like a nuclear waste that has been sitting in um the desert for ten thousand years and little tablets that just say it's morbid time and he morbs all over everyone yeah and i'm glad you said it transcends culture because like you think of culture as kind of like a geographical thing or something like that like just people in this one area have this culture like we have like in a, a black American culture, or a white American culture, or a sure. European culture, or something like that, um, and this is like beyond that because it's cross-cultural. It's 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 global. It's part of the global culture, basically. Yeah. It's morbid time, and then he morbs all of everyone. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if a recording of that or some sort of reference to Morbius is etched on the next probe that we send out for you know to contact uh, you know interstellar species. Um, I, I think that uh, that would make a lot of sense, and it's I, because it is such a universal message. Anyone who hears that knows exactly what that means. You know, it's morbid time, and it's, uh, it's more like it's even more universal than like prime numbers or like basic math. Right. Like, it's an indication of a like a level of technology that you know is only achievable if you have a certain level of intelligent life on your planet. Right if you're able to control a certain number of resources on your planet. I mean, we're talking about like the Khrushchev scale here, right? Like it's morbid time brings us closer to a level one civilization um, uh, than ever before. Those are my, those are all my Easter eggs. Do you have any? I have, a, I have a couple. First, um, I don't know if you noticed this, but Matt Smith, who plays Milo, um, he also played in his most famous role besides Morbius. He also played the 11th doctor in the show doctor who and oh i knew i had seen him yeah but here's the thing that's that makes this really crazy morbius is also a doctor whoa that well wow that is a connection i did not make i didn't i didn't even think about that you know it's all connected everything everything like means something you know this is better. This that's a that's a more interesting connection even than like the gate gate thing, you know. Mm. Yeah, I mean, this is just uh, this is the kind of thing you pick up on if you watch a lot of movies. Um, <laughs> and then uh, I found this article from Slash Film where they talked about uh, Jared Leto's dedication 
uh, to this movie. Uh, everyone knows that he's famous for his method acting, where he really gets into character and kind of goes around sc- uh, on stage or on a set, and you know, really puts people in uh, in, uh, in uncomfortable situations to make the best film possible, right? And no, and no other reason. Um, fame. So, so for this, there was a little. It wasn't so many stories that it was so crazy as from some of his other films where he was like sending dead rats to his co-stars. Uh, in this one, uh, he, um, he he's like he actually uses crutches and contorts his body so that he can uh, appear disabled. Um, uh, actually, one of his co-stars, Andrea Arjona, uh, was telling Variety that she was fearing for this guy's spine. There should have been a physical therapist on call. Um, and uh, the the director um, Daniel Espinoza uh, was also concerned about Leto actually hurting himself with his antics. He said, "I got scared for Jared. He really commits. You have to watch out for it." Um, and you mentioned a scene where Morbius shatters some glass and indicated that Leto left the movie's crew a little shaken with his intensity. I could sense the crew backed off. He said, as uh, as he put it, it was, it was a bit spooky. Which you know. That's also a way I would describe this movie is a bit spooky. So um, I think you, Jared Leto really, uh, it really shows that he dedicated a lot to this movie, uh, to making it the best movie it could be, and that all of that was worth it. I yeah, that's that's really interesting to hear about. It's it's really interesting to hear about like how the personal lives of actors and celebrities like Jared Leto. I feel like that stuff is so important, and we need to hear about that, uh, you know, more. Yeah, and the like, we should hear about it more, and that um, we should report on how insane they act constantly um, when we're building up to like you know something um, uh, like the release of a movie, right? Um, because ultimately, this movie, um, like, it, it, none of it would have been made, right? There would have been no editing, no per, no post production, no CGI, right? No vampire mask thing, right? No, it's Morbin time if it wasn't for Jared Leto, right? He was responsible for every single piece of that. And uh, that's why we need to make sure that he's held at high regard, right? Uh, essentially, no one else worked in this movie besides Tyrese. Movies are movies are famously individual projects. That's right. Made by basically just like one person. That's and right. Jared Leto was that person in this, in this. Yep. Passion project. Okay, let's, let's move on to our quotable moments. And I have a few here from you, Ben. Um, do you want to preface preface this one with anything? Uh, no, I, I, this is just at the beginning of the movie. One of the first things the Morb says. You need a doctor? <laughs> I am a doctor. I mean, this is such a great quote because it's it's like it's up there. It's obviously not. It's Morbin time. It's not that quote. No, but um, it's it. You can't you can't compare anything to that scene. Uh, but this scene is like is up there with like the great quotes of, of of famous movies, you know, like where we're going, we don't need roads, that kind of that kind of level. And like uh, that's Back to the Future. And then like in uh, Transformers, when he says, do you have a warrant? And the guy says, my face is my warrant. Like everybody's mm-hmm. talking about that. It's like one of the best quotes. So like you need a doctor. I am a doctor. It's like, I'm, like, get get away from me. I'm the morb, you know? <laughs> yes. And I mean, this is how the morb is like becomes the morb, right? It starts here. It starts simple, right? First, he's in the helicopter. Then you see that he's on crutches, but then he reveals he's a doctor. And from there, right? The acceleration does not stop. The morb becomes more morby and be, until he is the literal embodiment of morb um, at the end of the movie. Well, uh, okay. For this next one, um, uh, I think I, I, I had trouble finding this one. Uh, so could, would you mind reading it? Yeah, so uh, in the movie, I forget what part he says this. I think it's like when he's being interviewed or something. Uh, he says, I've got a fever, and the only prescription is more blood. Yes, I, I distinctly remember him saying this, but I could not find it in the movie. It's really weird. Maybe like Netflix like cut that part out? Yeah, it's possible. I mean... I definitely like when I was watching the movie, I like kept going back and rewatching that just to make sure I got like the exact quote because mm-hmm. I just wanted to be like able to say it, you know? Yeah. And, and I, it's possible that maybe me going back and forth kind of triggered something at Netflix and they were like, we need to like cut this part out or something. I don't know. Right. It's making people too crazy. 
making people too obsessed. You have to you have to stop the Morbius sweep before like it becomes too powerful. So makes sense. Yeah, but the reason I wanted to include this quote is just because uh, because I really wanted him to say this. You know, like the whole time when he was like really struggling, like I was just like, oh man, I hope he says I had got a fever and the only prescription is more blood. And then he said it, and I was just like, wow, what? That's <laughs> next level. That is next level. What about the next one? This one, I have never heard a quote like this before. And it's just like, I think it's just genius. The the the, the line, whoever wrote this, probably Jared Leto, was, was a genius. I'm starting to get hungry. You don't want to see me when I'm hungry. I mean, this certainly got a big laugh out of me. You know, I mean, like this idea that he's hungry and you don't want to see him when he's hungry. I mean, oh, like I understand what he was saying. Like it's sort of like a threat in a way, but also like, it's just funny that he said hungry. Cause he's like, he's just hungry, but he's not just hungry. He's hungry for blood. He's hungry for blood. Cause he's the morb. Yeah. And then he, and then like those, those cops have no idea that he's just about to morb all over them. Like, yeah. They have, yeah. They have no idea what's coming. And then finally, the last one here. Again, I couldn't find the exact quote uh, that you have here because right here it says, I am the morb. But, but here's the quote that I found. I Dr. Morbius. Yeah, I, I'm surprised that you couldn't find this one. He says, he says it distinctly. He's gone, on, he's gone to these guys in the uh, down. They have like a basement where they're like creating counterfeit money or whatever. And he needs like their lab and the guy's like, who are you? And he's like, I am the morb. And that's really when it, he becomes the morb. I think that's the moment. Yeah, it's when he, he embraces morbs. the morb side of himself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, uh, man, uh, I, it's, a, uh, it's truly a masterpiece um, uh, from start to finish. Every piece of dialogue here highlights another element, another facet uh, that makes this movie just so interesting. Yeah, Joe, Joey told me to only include three quotes, up to three quotes, but I was like, I can't. I gotta. I, it's. I gotta have more. That's so. I had four. Sorry. I, you know, for this movie, I'll, I'll have an. Ex- I'll, I'll give you an exception. But um, that brings us to the end of our conversation about Morbius. Um, and before we wrap things up, uh, we have to deliver our ratings. Um, ben, why don't you go first? Uh, so my rating, I give this movie one million Morb bucks. One more billion, more bi- more million, more billion. Um, I I give this movie uh, combining my DNA with the DNA of this movie to become utterly unstoppable. <laughs> Genius! <laughs> it's uh, I you know I'm, I'm reaching new new heights here uh, by becoming part Morbius. Um, well, uh, Benjamin, this has been a real pleasure. Thank you for coming on and you know I'd highlighting. Like to I'm not. I'm not the Benjamin. I'm the discount Benjamin. <laughs> Your wish, okay. wish app Benjamin. <laughs> you, um, you've been highlighting this movie. You know, giving your insights on it certainly has uh, has been a real joy. So um, I appreciate that. Um, and uh, yeah, do you have anything to close out on? Uh, nope. I just really appreciate you letting me be the one to talk about this movie because I. I, I'm sure that you had a lot of people who want to talk about this movie. It's so true. I, I was being it. hit up left and right, but I, I knew there was only one person for the job, and that was not the original Benjamin, but the Wish App version. Um, yep. Next on Affable Chat, we are doing the movie RRR, uh, which is another incredible masterpiece of cinema, um, and I mean that sincerely. Um, if you want to listen to our podcast, you can find us wherever there are podcasts. Um, I challenge you to find a place where we aren't are. We are on every podcast platform. Uh, you know, just find it. And if you like this podcast, uh, you just uh, have to tell your friends. All you have to do is say, have you considered listening to Affable Chat? You can uh, reach us on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, Affable Chat. Or you can send us an email at affablechat at gmail.com. Or even better, you can go to your new favorite website on the internet, affablechat.com, and check out our slash now page where you can find out what's happening right now at Affable Chat. Um, we also have a YouTube channel. It's called Affable Chat. And Affable Chat is live on Tuesdays every uh, every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. Eastern time on Twitch. Um, and you can find Benjamin there reacting to videos and talking about how morbed up he is as well. And that's all. Uh, thank you, uh, Benjamin, for joining us. 
thank you for the for the chance to more of course and thank you for listening The monster morbs across the room at incredible speed, morbing everything up until it's nothing. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, okay. (laughs) (laughs) The monster morbs across the room at incredible speed, morbing everything up. (laughs) Damn it. (laughs) It's not that funny. It's really not that funny. It's just the same word over and over. It's just a morb. It's just a morb. There you have it, the events of Morbius uh, morbed up for you. Now let's move on to our... <laughs> Not Morbius. <laughs> <laughs> okay.